Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. Riley Gaines was a member of the University of Kentucky NCAA swim team. She was the 2022 Southeastern Conference Women's Swimming and Diving Scholar of the Year. Now she's speaking out for the protection of women's sports, for safety, privacy, and American values. For those unfamiliar with Riley Gaines, uh, Riley, your life changed when the NCAA allowed a biological male to compete against you. And that man was allowed to dress and undress in the women's locker room. You said no. You spoke out. Why did you decide to do that? I think really what thrusted me over the edge, what was scarier to me than the thought of the left coming after me and the name calling and the petty personal attacks, which I guess shouldn't be really undermined because they're they're real. They're there. And I, I do get called every name in the book. But what's scarier to me than that is not standing firm in the truth. When we abandon the most basic of truths, man and woman, what do we have to stand on? I mean, that's the essence of humanity. And we have people, again, specifically the left and the administration leading this country right now, asking us to deny that. They can't even define what a woman is themselves. That, to me, was a really chilling thought. And truthfully, I had waited. Uh, I waited for someone else to do it. I thought, surely... A coach would stick up for us. I thought surely someone's dad would. I thought someone with political power would. Someone within the NCAA, someone who was supposed to be protecting us, would protect us. And I remember the moment that that changed for me, and it was when I was sharing this podium with Leah slash Will Thomas, a six foot four man who swam three years on the men's team at University of Pennsylvania before deciding to switch to the women's team. Sharing a podium with him, they told me that he got the trophy despite our tie because he needed it for pictures. They were advised when pictures were being taken, he had to have the trophy. And I just remember thinking to myself, we can't keep waiting for someone else to do this. If we, as female athletes, we as women, if we want to change, it's not fair to expect it to come from someone else. This has to come from us. And that's ultimately when I decided that regardless of the backlash, regardless of the repercussions, I would be taking a public stance and acknowledging how what we were facing in regards to the unfair competition and the locker room and the silencing and all the different pieces was wrong. It's, it was unfair, it was unjust, and it was harmful to women and to truth. Well, you're not just speaking out against this. You're actually doing something about it. You've created the Riley Gaines Center. And tell us about that. Assuming it's going to have something to do with training, maybe grassroots organizing, tell us. Absolutely. Um, I knew pretty early on upon speaking out that I, I wanted to do something to help others feel empowered enough to stand firm in their beliefs because what I was noticing upon my own speaking out is the amount of people who stood alongside me, it felt like virtually everyone. All of my teammates agreed with me, all of my coaches, all of my competitors, anyone I interacted with said, thank you for doing what you're doing. But I felt so dumbfounded by this because if we're all on the same page, if majority 99% of those girls on that pool deck didn't want Thomas there, why were we caving? Why were we smiling when we stepped aside on the podium? Why weren't we saying something? And so what the Riley Gaines Center is, is something that I wish I had for sports terms here. It's essentially like a home base 
where female athletes and coaches and parents and medical professionals and other allies who want to help defend, again, truth and, and the female identity. I, I don't really like using the term female identity because that, that's kind of caving to their language. But, but womanhood and what that means, it's a training program where they can be trained, um, again, be inspired to become a better leader, have the communication tools that are effective, have the resources and the knowledge to know how to combat this. And whether that's on a college campus, whether that's a community leader, some sort of national leader, a school board leader, whatever that looks like, I, I think we can all agree that we need more leaders and more people who are unwavering in their values. Well, if women don't speak out and take peaceful actions now, what do women's sports and locker rooms look like maybe five years from now in America? The integrity of women's sports would be completely lost if we allow this to continue down the trajectory that it is. I think this topic, these cultural issues that tend to affect women specifically, um, it begs the question of where are the feminists? Where are the women who fought relentlessly for Title IX? Where are the women who were burning their bras and, and the, the Me Too movement? Think of that original first and second wave feminism. Where are those women? I think they've gone several different ways, one of which is remaining totally silent. Another area is standing firm in their original intent for feminism and upholding women on our own uniqueness that it seems as if the largest majority of this feminist movement these people who once prided themselves on, on defending and honoring and celebrating women are now actively working and fighting to include men in our spaces in our sports in our prisons in our sororities it doesn't make sense um, again back to the left too not to make this issue overly political it's inevitable that it has become this way um, I think sports is the one thing that should never really get political, but it has, it will continue to be. The left, they were the party who fought for Title IX, and now they've undermined everything they once fought for by, again, redefining the original intent of what Title IX and the women's sporting category meant in fighting for men to take away our opportunities. Do you ever ask yourself, why? Why are they doing this? It's nonsensical. It goes against a big voting block women, yet they are pushing full steam ahead with this. I have a lot of thoughts on why. Um, I think a pretty obvious one is these companies, uh, the media, corporate America, academia, they follow the money, right? They don't follow red. They don't follow blue. They follow green. And we've seen that. I mean, look at what happened to Bud Light. Look at what, what's mm. happened to Target. We've seen these companies lose out on billions of dollars and they've realized that. So, so Bud Light, for instance, they, of course, had Dylan Mulvaney on, on their beer can, entirely missing their, their target audience, I would imagine. They realized the repercussions of this, and now they have advertisements and commercials with these big burly men on motorcycles and these camo cans. They're following the money. They don't actually stand by what they're preaching. They don't believe it. They don't think this is right. They know it's wrong, but they're following the money. So, so that's one why. Um, another why, why this is happening being a Christian myself, I see this entirely as spiritual warfare. Um, it's really no longer right versus wrong or good versus bad. This really is moral versus evil. And I found myself looking that evil in the eyes in many cases, and it's soulless. And so I think that's another why, another reason here. It seems as if we live in a society where we are very much either an oppressor or oppressed, and there's no in-between, and people are terrified of being an oppressor. And what qualifies one uh, to be an oppressor is being white. 
is being a Christian, is being heterosexual, all of those things immediately qualify you as an oppressor. And people are terrified of that. So they would rather virtue signal. They would rather be seen as this inclusive, kind, tolerant, welcoming, accepting human being, even if that means throwing away their moral compass, throwing away what they know to be true because they don't want to be on the wrong side of history. And I think that goes to show that our media, again, the way our, the political sphere really is, the political atmosphere, they're pitting us against each other. And unfortunately, it's working. So you get your strength, your resolve, your courage from your faith in Jesus Christ. Most certainly. I've always been spiritual. Uh, I grew up in the church, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I always went to church. But this past year, I have been spiritually awakened I have seen just so clearly how God works and how he moves and how he has his hand on me, how he has his hand on this fight. Um, but that being said, just as clearly, I've seen how his opposition works and how he deceives and how he manipulates and, and how he has his hand on people and things as well. Fortunately for us, we know who wins. We know who, who comes out on top. So that's a blessing. We know that. The unfortunate piece is we don't know how long we have to endure this. Right. Um, hopefully God comes back <laughs> soon and, and can take us with him. Well, you've been doing a lot of traveling. And, of course, you've gotten some negative reaction, people spitting on you and what have you. But you talked about you kind of had an awakening. Are you seeing that in the various places where you're speaking. I certainly am, which is why I feel hopeful. Along with my faith, what keeps me going is day by day I'm seeing more and more people, more and more parents, more and more people who would consider themselves lifelong liberals really acknowledge what's happening and be able to go against the grain and say, "Wait, this is wrong. This is harmful." Again, that's that's not what you would think if you just watched the media or you saw how our politicians voted. You would think this is an issue that falls entirely on party lines. It's not. All polling shows that the overwhelming majority of people, not just the overwhelming majority of Republicans, even the overwhelming majority of Democrats and, of course, independent voters, they think what's happening, especially as it pertains to women's sports, with a lot of this gender ide ideology propaganda being pushed, but especially as it pertains to sports, they think this is so crazy. So almost uniquely enough, this issue, it really is a unifying issue. And it's very rare in politics that we have something we can agree on. But for the most part, this is one of those issues. Um, and I, I'm seeing more people come to their senses. Common sense, everyday Americans, every day. Well, this is Illinois Family Spotlight. We want to continue with our conversation with Riley Gaines in just a few moments. I neglected to ask, if people want to get connected with the Riley Gaines Center, what do they do? Absolutely. You can go to www.rileygainscenter.org. There are different options of how to get involved, what that looks like, you know, whether that's through financial means, whether that's if, if that's not an option, if you sign up for emails and newsletters of how to stay involved, um, because there's a lot of layers to this. Of course, there's the federal level where we have Title IX and the Biden administration's abomination of what they're doing to that. There's the state level where, where different states are passing this. Um, so connecting there is really important. And then there's also within the specific sport governing body. So, so there's a lot of different levels to stay updated on. So you don't believe the narrative that's being pushed that this is a non-issue and that it's not really happening. 
uh, because that could not be further from the truth. All right, Riley Gaines, we'll take a brief time out and continue our conversation with this wonderful lady right after this. It's a big evening you don't want to miss. The Illinois Family Institute's Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet with best-selling author and nationally syndicated radio host Eric Metaxas. Friday, November 3rd at the Bolingbrook Golf Club. To attend, click events at IllinoisFamily.org. We're talking about religious freedom being constricted by the state. Will the church wake up and say, this is wrong? Eric Metaxas is the author of Bonhoeffer, Amazing Grace, and his latest book, Letter to the American Church, is a wake-up call for Christians to speak out and protect religious liberty. If you will speak up, things will change if we would but try. Eric Metaxas and the IFI Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet, Friday, November 3rd at the Bolingbrook Golf Club. To attend, click events at IllinoisFamily.org, IllinoisFamily.org. With a woman to look at culture from a Christian worldview, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Kids born in this morally turbulent age and the parents committed to guiding them through it have precious few resources to help them sift through all the chaos. A few years ago, World Magazine, a longtime Christian worldview partner of the Colson Center, added a daily news program for kids to their already impressive lineup of print and digital resources. The tagline for World Watch with host Brian Basham reads this, quote, we can't keep your kids from growing up too quickly, but we can help them grow into humans equipped with news literacy and biblical discernment, and we'll make it fun too. End quote. Well, it's always tempting and even sometimes appropriate to shield our kids from what's going on. But even if that were possible all the time, we still need to help them face now what they'll face when they're no longer in our homes. Rather than hide them from the world, let's guide them to think well about this time and place where God has called them to live and to serve Him. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. We're talking with former swimmer. Are you still swimming, Riley Gaines? I call myself a swimmer. Um, <laughs> swimming some, training for marathons and, and different things, triathlons. So I definitely still like to compete. I still like to win. <laughs> so some different things, yeah. Yeah, and you're speaking really across the country. You're doing a lot of media interviews on behalf of women's sports and women's privacy and locker rooms and what have you. The left contends that what you're doing, advocating for women's rights, is actually cover for transphobia. How do you respond to that? That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. I don't even try to defend this anymore. At first, when I started speaking out, I thought I had to, to argue until I was blue in the face that I wasn't transphobic. But now I've reached a point where I know in my heart my convictions, and I know it's not rooted in hate. It's actually compassionate to tell the truth. Right. That's what love is. I, I constantly refer back to that term, this term of true love. Those terms are synonymous truth and love. That is what love is. Lying to anyone to affirm a delusion is not compassionate. That's not kind. That's not, a, that's not welcoming or accepting or tolerant or, or any of those terms they use. And to be Quite honest, my response to anyone who calls me transphobic is, well, okay, you're a misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, it seems to me that what you're doing now will eventually have a positive impact beyond women's sports, beyond locker room privacy issues and all that. 
and it's going to filter into other areas of our society, our culture, and that is what the left is really concerned about. That's what they fear, and that's why they're coming after you so hard. What do you think? Certainly. Um, they don't have truth on their side. They don't have common sense. They don't have science. Ironically enough, the party that, that once said follow the science, they don't have science on their side. They don't have logic or reasoning. We do on our side. Again, especially as it pertains to this issue surrounding, surrounding women's sports. That's why they resort to violence. That's why they resort to name calling and the petty personal attacks. It's because that's all they have. Um, and honestly, at first, this deterred me, right? And I think naturally, it made me kind of question, you know, is this something I really want to get myself into? But after some prayer and after some conversation with my people around me who, who I look to as my support system, they've kind of reassured me that these negative comments and the attacks and, and the spitting and the being held for ransom for over three and a half hours by protesters and all of these things, um, it really should be encouragement. It should be encouraging to see this because it shows how badly they want you to be silent, and that's what they have to resort to. And so my motto has kind of been, you don't waste ammunition on targets that you don't want to hit. And we're right over the target with this, and they know that, and that terrifies them. Let me ask you this. Let's say uh, you're a parent, you've got a daughter who's... Uh swimming or involved in girls sports whatever and they run into a situation like you ran into what advice would you give parents how should they respond parents need to be willing to defend their daughters uh, i've seen time and time again where again parents know this is wrong but they're, they don't want to lose their job they don't want to be seen a, as this hateful awful person and that threat is very real um, i could list 10 examples off the top of my head of, of parents losing their jobs for doing just that, defending their daughters. But we can't be scared of that. Um, I know parents, especially women, women tend to be more agreeable and more empathetic, and, and we don't want to ruffle feathers or step on toes. But that's how we got here, is by being silent. And at this point, silence is complicity. By not taking a firm stance, you're taking a firm stance. And so that's my advice as to how it pertains to, to defending your daughters. But Almost just as importantly, parents, I think it's crucial that you teach your sons masculinity. We live in a society where we've deemed masculinity as toxic, and maybe we have feminism really to blame for that. This original, again, first and second wave feminism, maybe we have feminism to blame for, for the effemination of men. You're talking about a biblical view of masculinity. Certainly, and of course a male's biblical role is to protect and provide. We need more men willing to do that. There's a saying, and it's, it's hard times to create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. And, of course, it's a cycle, and it's incredibly interesting because you can see this cycle play out throughout history. And I'm certain we're in the part right now where weak men have created hard times. And we can only hope that these hard times garner strong men again. I think the last time we had a society full of strong men was in the 1940s during World War II. And I thought about this the other day, and it, it honestly cracked me up. In that time, we had men lying about their age to enlist in the draft, saying they were older than they actually were. And now, 80 years later, we have men lying about their sex so they can compete against women. If you can't see that we're in the part of the process where weak men have created hard times, 
that's unfortunate because I see it clearly. And so hopefully the, these hard times create strong men. How did we get here? It's crazy what's happening now. You kind of touched on it in the first half of Spotlight here that this issue that you're discussing about women's sports and privacy and safety, it really is a nonpartisan issue. So if you're a candidate for office, what do you need to be saying about this? What's your advice? That there is no compromise for women. Again, as it pertains to sports, the first thing we should prioritize in any sport is safety. The second thing is fairness. And then if inclusion can work, then we can prioritize inclusion. But we cannot do it at the expense of fairness and safety, safety being number one. We need to see more people not pandering even as I travel state to state testifying on behalf of these fairness and women's sports bills being put forward, I see Republicans constantly, Republicans constantly feel like they have to give the left something. We don't. We don't have to give the left anything, especially when it means if we do, we as women become the collateral damage. There is no compromise when it comes to protecting our rights, our sex-based rights to privacy our sex-based rights to, to equal opportunity ensured by Title IX, there is no compromise. And so I wish more lawmakers, um, people running for office, would be firm in their stance, even Democrats. I think that would go a really, really long way with their constituents because, again, their constituents, the way these Democrats are voting, mothers and fathers even, the way they're voting is not representative of, of the people they represent. We saw it at the U.S. House of Representatives, all 203, every single one of them voted in opposition of protecting women and girls in sports. All 203 Democrats in the House. That's mind-blowing to me that this issue, protecting women and girls, fell entirely on party lines. Wow. So this is conceivably a winning issue for candidates if they message it correctly. Do you have any idea what a couple of mistakes they could make you want to avoid? Certainly actually a lot, which is a big piece of what I've been doing is traveling and meeting with Republican lawmakers and teaching them effective ways to talk about this. This argument, a lot of the times we're, se we're seeing it be put forward as an anti-trans message, right? We need to make this argument a pro-woman message because that's what it is. It's pro-woman, it's pro-fairness, it's pro-truth. I see Republican lawmakers, um, they, they talk about you know these trans individuals going through a mental delusion, which while I agree, it's not an effective way to get people on our side. When you phrase it like that, it can appear anti-trans. Um, I know it's not. I know what they're saying, and I agree. It, there should be mental health care provided to these individuals to ensure that they're okay and they're safe and they can get the help they need. Um, but it does come off anti-trans sometimes. We need to be framing this just like the left does so well. They make it about emotion. They make it about your feelings what about us as women? Who asked us about our feelings in that locker room when we were violated and humiliated? No one. What about us when we felt like we were competing with our hands tied behind our back against a six foot four, 22 year old male who ranked 462nd the year prior when competing against the men to now winning a national title? Who cared about our feelings? We need to use the same tactics that the left is using and, and make it about emotion. You know, I've been hearing, even in Republican circles, that this whole issue of women's locker rooms and everything, well, we could put up partitions in these locker rooms, and that would give you privacy. You were a competitive swimmer, 
based on your experience, would that be enough? You mean like separating the locker rooms <laughs> based on our sex and genitalia? It's like we've already done that. Um, but you're right. Just a few weeks ago, there was a congressional hearing where this congressman was talking to one of Leah Thomas's former teammates, Paula Scanlon, and was saying, you know, I'm sorry for your past. She was a victim of, of sexual assault in her past. And he said, you know, I'm sorry you dealt with that. Maybe we could just put up barriers. Yeah. That's what we're advocating for. And that means men change with men, women change with women. And so, but you're advocating in separate rooms. Yes, yes, certainly. Okay, okay. Yeah, certainly. And I, I don't think people realize too. In the sport of swimming, when we're in that locker room, there's no modesty. You're changing from your clothes into your practice suit, then from your practice suit into your your race suit, which takes about 15 minutes to put on. 15 minutes of which you're fully exposed, and then from your race suit back to your practice suit, and back to your your from your practice suit back to your street clothes. I mean. There's a lot of changing. Those girls on, on Leah Thomas's team, Will Thomas, they undressed in front of him 18 times oh per week. Per week. Um, and I don't think people realize, realize that. So, yeah, we're certainly advocating for if you're a male, if you have a Y chromosome, you change and compete with other people <laughs> with Y chromosomes. Just a couple more minutes here, Riley. And I thank you for your time. And I thank you for your courage and your hard work on this. There are some conservative pundits out there who are saying we have to avoid social issues. And if we're going to win this election, upcoming election in 2024, we have to concentrate on the economy, immigration, crime, etc., and kind of steer clear of these social issues. What do you say to that? Mama bears. There's nothing scarier than a mad mama bear. And we've reached an all-time high. Uh, if there's one thing you don't get in between... And I think a lot of these social cultural issues do specifically affect children and women. These are the issues that families care about. Of course, economy matters. And of course, immigration and, and crime and, and drugs and all of those things, they, they matter. But I think people are looking for answers now more than ever. We're looking for alternatives in regards to, to how Nike has responded. Again, in a lot of corporate America. We have reached a point where we don't want to fund places who use our money in ways that don't align with our values. We're looking for alternatives. These are issues that lawmakers, um, politicians, people running for office, we're looking for an answer now more than ever. So to avoid them, personally, I don't think it's a good look for anyone, and I don't think constituents would either. What do folks need to say to their lawmaker about this? Well, I'll tell you, if I had to talk to my lawmaker in Tennessee, I'd say keep it up. (laughs) But here in Illinois... We need some help. <laughs> um, and so it's important to contact your, your state senator, uh, your state representative, and let them know how you feel. The more and more people that do that, we've seen this be effective in other states also. Just recently we saw this in Kansas where they were putting forward the Women's Bill of Rights. And what this is is a, a law that defines the word woman, which is crazy that we even have to have that. But there was a Democrat representative who got an influx of calls from his constituents saying, we want you to pass this. And he voted in favor of it, even though he said, I don't agree with this, but my constituents told me that this is how I need to be voting. And they took a poll and almost, I think, 85, 86% of Kansans agreed that they were, they were excited about this law passing. And so let them know how you feel. Let them know how this affects you. Let them know what's at stake if they don't vote in favor of Again, more than just women's sports here. It's a lot broader. Um, Let them know what's at stake if they don't vote to protect family, 
faith, and of course, your freedoms. Riley, you're doing great work now, but down the road, here you are. You're smart, articulate, charismatic, lovely. You ever plan on running for office? <laughs> <laughs> so I actually graduated University of Kentucky with my degree in human health sciences and health law and had every intent upon graduation to go to dental school to become a dentist. Um, I scored in the top percentile of the dental admissions test. I had been awarded several tens of thousands of dollars in scholarship money. I'd already accepted my seat, put my deposit down to go to dental school again to be a dentist. Clearly, I, I'm not working on teeth. If all of this could be fixed tomorrow, I would love to go back to, to the plans that I had made for myself. But I realized the quickest way to make God laugh in your face is to make plans for yourself. So um, you're not ruling it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ruling it out. What I say is I, I really love policy. I love making impact, but I don't know if I love politics. <laughs> I don't love it, but it's a necessary evil. <laughs> so, Certainly. Yeah. Riley, thank you so much. Tell us once again how people can connect with the Riley Gaines Center. Absolutely. It's www.rileygainscenter.org. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Riley underscore Gaines underscore. I always try and post breaking stories, uh, highlighting how politicians are responding again so people don't believe the narrative that it's not really happening. Okay. Well, I hope people connect with it. I'm going to go online and check it out. So. Amazing. All right. Well, God bless you and what you're doing. I know people listening will be praying for you. Carry on, and there will be a lot of people out there who will be supporting you. Riley Gaines, thank you so much. Thank you, folks, for listening. Please tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. And until next time, stay healthy, stay active, and God bless. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.